Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. It's a new year. Are you making any resolutions? Anybody make some resolutions this year? Are you willing to admit it? No? All right. There's a couple of you that made some resolutions. Maybe resolutions to get to the gym. Maybe resolutions to uh, improve your finances or improve your relationships. I, I, I'm not really a huge resolution fan. I like to start at the little things and just make a list of things that I want to improve over the year, but they're not really resolutions for me. But I'm okay with people that have things that they're passionate about and they make resolutions about it. But I want to talk to you a little bit about habits because habits are the little things that make huge impact. And, and I'm going at this without an opening scripture because I want you to understand that this particular series is going to be very practical. More practical than I can barely handle because I'm a fourth generation Pentecostal and I like to preach the word. <laughs> and I'm trying to build something here. So I'm breaking all the way down to the very basic incremental uh, building blocks, the, the dominoes of your life, and trying to help you build up to a place where you have great impact over little, with little things. Amen? So how many know you're the sum total of all your choices? How many have heard that before? I want to give you a couple books. If you are taking notes, um, if you are um, in the house right now and you're taking notes, thank you for being saved. And uh, w- no, just kidding. The rest of you... Can just listen for a minute. They're going to put a a particular picture up. I hope they received it. But the Power of Habits by Charles Duhigg is an amazing is an amazing book. Compound Effect by Darren Hardy and the Atomic Habits by James Clear. Very strong work by James Clear, and it's definitely something that I recommend you read in the first part of the year as you begin to build your year out and you begin to seek God for what He wants to do in your life. Because listen carefully, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. And when it comes to your spiritual life, it's not, uh, it's not just because somebody's specially gifted or because somebody has some sort of special talent. I guarantee you, anybody you see anointed by God has a secret prayer life backing it. Anybody you see used of God has a humble spirit and has asked God year after year, Lord, just use me. Whatever you got to do, whatever you got to take out of my life, whatever you've got to put into my life, just use me for your glory and your purpose. Amen, somebody? And so I understand that successful people do consistently what others do occasionally, and I want to be that person in my spiritual life, in my financial life, my physical life, my relations, the different things that I have in my life. Would you say that Jesus was successful? That he, he made it to his mission? Amen? I would say that Jesus was successful, and, and Jesus took time to pray. God in flesh took time away to go and pray because he was a man as well as God. Amen? So he prayed to God, and what he prayed was praying to the Spirit of God and for, for that Spirit to strengthen him and to help him as a man as he walked throughout the earth. And I, I regularly see him escaping the crowds, even leaving crowds that want to hear him preach to go up the mountain to pray. And if Jesus had to do it, we need to as well. Amen? 
Let me put in a plug for prayer right now. Prayer moves the hands that hold the world. Amen? Prayer moves the God who has charge of everything. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. You know that. You pray to him. How many know when you pray, God listens? God hears you. Prayer is the basic building block of your spiritual life. If you do not have prayer, you've cut off the communications to your commander. You have no way of being successful without your prayer life. Amen, someone. And so if Jesus had to do it, I'd say we need to do it as well. Jesus even had a custom of going to the temple on a regular basis. Why? Because they heard the word of the Lord. And if you don't have a prayer life, I suggest and I recommend you get one. You'll never experience anything more beautiful than a regular prayer life where you spend time with the Lord. But you'll never experience anything more beautiful than getting into the custom of being in the word of God. Whether it's at the church where it's preached or whether it's in your home where you read the Bible. But if you get a walk with God, it strengthens you. It builds you. It is a basic building block for your spiritual life. Amen, someone. Sean Covey says, our habits will make us or break us. We become what we repeatedly do. And so we have to understand that this is the perfect time for me to speak about habits because 92% of people have resolutions that won't last. 92% of people make some sort of resolution and it will not make it past Valentine's Day. And so we know that the scripture tells us when Paul was a man who, who was consumed with the Lord's gospel, he was consumed with reaching the world. He even said of himself in Romans 7.15, he said these words when he's referring to the struggle that he has inside of himself. He said, I don't really understand myself. Anybody been there? You don't really understand yourself at the moment. I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. I want to do what's good, he said, but, but something in me doesn't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And then he goes on to the next verse. He says, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, the fallen nature of man. He said, that fallen nature just works in me, and I, and I don't want to do those things, but I do them. And I want to do what is right, but I can't. Look at the struggle that's going on inside Paul, the one who wrote a third of the New Testament, the one who is a, a success, if we call it that, in Christianity, and the one who, who lives for God with everything. He's a follower of Christ with all of his life. And here he's saying, I don't do good when I want to, and I, and I do bad, and I don't even know myself, and I struggle. And he said, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Why, why do I do this anyway? And then he in the next verse, he goes, oh, what a miserable person I am. Does that sound like Paul to you? The one who's God is using in a massive way, the one who has multiple mission trips and into places that no one has carried the gospel. He said, what a miserable person I am. He links something together that we all do. And this is for you. This isn't just Paul speaking. This is the basic building blocks of your life. When you don't understand what's going on in your life, a lot of times you'll link it to your identity. And what he's doing here is he's saying, I'm a miserable person. Paul wasn't a miserable person. He was amazing at what he did. He was an amazing man of God. But in this moment when he's talking about when I want to do it, I don't. And when I try to, I fail. When I, I want to do what's right, I do what's wrong. He said, I'm a, I'm a, he takes his identity. But then he turns a corner and he said, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. 
King James actually says, who will deliver me from the body of death? And we know that baptism does that, amen? And so then he says, after he says that, here he's turning a corner. First, he's looking at himself, and he gets the wrong identity. Anytime you look at yourself and your talents and your skills and your ability and how great your faith is and how strong you are, you'll run into not enough. You'll run into not enough resources. But when you turn your eyes from yourself, your identity entirely changes when you look at the Lord. Your identity entirely changes when your source changes. And so he turned his thinking, and he said, who? Who's going to deliver me from this problem? I, if I look at who I am, I'm miserable. But if I look who's at my deliverer, I'm taken out of that mindset. I'm removed from that identity. And all of a sudden, he says, thank God. He goes into worship after he changes his thoughts on who is going to help him. The building blocks of your life is not how good you are or how great you are or how successful you are or how much money you have in the bank. But the greatest thing that builds your life is when you put your mind on Jesus, when you turn your heart unto the Lord, when you look unto the one who went to the cross for you, when you change your own direction by changing your mind, amen. When you put your heart and your life on Jesus. So he goes into worship. He enters into the gates with thanksgiving. He says, thank God. The answer is Jesus in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're not just trying to be like Jesus. We're putting on his perfect life when we walk through salvation. When you repent of your sins and you're baptized in the name of Jesus and you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you get sealed with the building blocks of salvation. You walk through an understanding that when I obey the scriptures, God puts his word on my life and seals me and when he seals me I have his life his perfect life and now I don't have to be perfect now I don't have to try to be living up to every letter of the law but now my life when I fail I just bow the knee and I say Lord by your blood and by your forgiveness would you help me would you extend grace and would you forgive me and I place my life in you and he said that's okay I've got blood to cover it I've got more grace to cover it where sin abounds grace does much more abound amen and so I'm going to cover that indiscretion and the reason why he covers it is because he's not looking at your life to determine whether you get to be saved. He's looking at the perfect life of Jesus Christ that you've applied to your life so you can take off all the worry. You can take off all the fretting. You can stop thinking that God is just mad at you all the time because you can't live up to it. That's you putting your identity on you. But if you put your identity on the perfect life of Jesus Christ. You'll step out of the places where you worry and you fret and you'll start to rejoice and thank God. And the basic building block of your life will be, thank God that I know that it's not because I'm good, it's because he was good. It's because he walked the perfect life. He did what I couldn't do. He purchased what I had no way of purchasing. He bought me back when I was in debt. Amen, somebody. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord and thank him for what he's done for you? He said, I really want to obey God's law, but because of the sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. And then he goes on to say something that's very powerful. And he continues through that chapter. So let's not go t get tired in doing what is good. And just 
not in that chapter, but when he's pre preaching in Galatians 6, now he's talking to the church in Galatians. So let us not get tired in doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. That's my favorite verse in the Bible. One of my favorites. Romans 8, 28 is my other one. But this particular verse reminds me because it says that if you just continue to do what's right, there's a harvest, there's a reward for that. And I'm thankful because I sometimes forget that success takes a long time. How many have been working at something for a long time and you're just now starting to see the success of it? Anybody want to admit that? You've been trying and efforting and now you're just starting to see. It takes time to get good at something. It takes time to be successful. Daniel prayed three times a day. You don't rise... The truth of the matter is you don't rise to the level of your goals. That's why resolutions don't work. You don't rise to the level of, of your goal. You fall to the level of your systems. And if you create habits that build systems in your life, that's why some of you are so cranky when you don't get your morning routine in. Hello, somebody. Are we going to get real? You have to be in the bathroom at 6.20. You brush your teeth at 6.40. You are out the door headed to work at 7.20. And you know exactly where you are going to be on the road at what times to get to work and be in your chair at a certain time. You have your routines. And if you mess with somebody's morning routine, they get real cranky. It's like, it's like Rob not eating. He gets hangry. And so you have to understand that you can set all the resolutions you want to, you can set all the goals you want to, and you'll fall back into your old life if you don't have a system that lifts the level of your life. James Clear said that in Atomic Habits. So one of the things that I found out was that Daniel didn't go into the lion's den learning how to pray. Daniel didn't have pressure. How many know that, the li that life puts pressures on you? We all live that. In fact, we're going to live a lot more of that because the Bible says in the last days, men's heart will fail them for fear. There's going to be a lot of things that happen in our world. November's coming. A presidential election is crazy. We don't even know what's going to happen this year, but I can guarantee you there's going to be pressures. There's going to be so much stress and pressures on lives. And what you have to understand is before the pressure shows up, you have to pray. Before the pressure gets here, you have to have a prayer life. Because your prayer life and, and reading the word and being, uh, having spiritual disciplines, those are your systems that lift you. And so I want you to understand that the word of God tells us some very clear things in the Bible about what it does for us and what prayer does for us. Number one, we have to understand that the word of God is our foundation. Everybody say foundation. So in order for you to create a domino effect in your life, you have to have a steady foundation to set every single action. Now, each one of those dominoes in that video have potential energy. They have the potential to fall over and knock the next domino over. And what you want to do is you want to understand is you may not feel very much. It may not look like very much, but it has the potential to have an impact. So what you're doing when you pray in the morning and you don't feel a thing is you're building up potential energy in the spiritual world. So it's the same thing. I, I, I don't mean to, but I became a tea snob. I, you know, I've started filtering tea. I don't even use like the bags anymore. I got the special little micro filter. You put the, uh, yeah, and it's got to be at a hundred, it's got to be at 208 degrees exactly. 
to, in order for it to steep perfectly. And you need to have it in there for five minutes, not six minutes. That's a disaster. But five minutes. And I'm making my tea like a crazy man in the kitchen. And my family's looking at me like, he snapped. Something happened. The man's on the leaves. Something's wrong with him. Somebody get him something. Somebody put him on the couch. Ask him questions that let, lets him talk about not riding the elephant at the circus when he was a kid. What I'm doing is I'm actually, I, I'm boiling water and I'm standing waiting for the water. I have, we have this island in our kitchen and, and I have the, the island and I have the pot there and I'm boiling the water and nothing's happening. The little eye is on underneath there. It's all red and it's, it's infusing potential energy into the water. It's heating up the water, but the water's not changing. There's no view. There's no change. I can't see any difference except for that I know the heat's on. And as that water temperature heats up, it gets to 100 degrees, no change. 120, 211, no change. But when it hits 212, that pot goes to singing, and that goes, the water goes to boiling because everything that was stored up releases. And it's the same thing with your prayer life and reading the Word of God. You may open your Bible in the morning or in the evening and just read some Scripture and think, well, this is, maybe I don't even really understand this very much. But the, the truth of the matter is you don't read your Bible, your Bible reads you because it's a living Word. And if you open it every day, you start to build potential energy in your spiritual life. And eventually you get to 212 degrees and you start to boil. Something bursts out of your life spiritually and changes things. And you don't have to even know how it happened. All you have to know is you started stacking dominoes and potential energy a long time ago. And when, you, when the Holy Ghost moves in... Whoo, and it starts to knock down all those things. It reaches back to the disciplines in your life and the systems of prayer and the systems of reading your Bible, and it knocks over the largest thing in your life because Davids are built for giants, and you're built for more, but you will never get there unless you build spiritual potential. And so what happens in the Scripture is we see that it talks about what we do and what we say and where we go and how we act and those small things become big things. In fact, the scripture says in Psalms 119, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's a small thing that knocks over sin, a big thing. Amen? And so you have to understand that there are people that are saved, but they're not safe because they never open the word of God. They never spend time in God's word that makes them safe, makes them handle and knock down sins in their life. When the sin temptation comes, they've already got the built up potential to knock it down because the word is in their heart and they can speak to that. Jesus, even in fasting 40 days and 40 nights, goes into the wilderness. He doesn't defeat the enemy on his strength of his flesh because he's, he hasn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights, but he defeats the enemy with the word of God. That's why the, the scripture calls this Bible the, the sword of the spirit. Amen? So whenever you start looking in scripture at the imagery that it gives us, you like my sword? <laughs> it says that the word of God is a sword. This is your offensive weapon. It says take above all things the shield of faith that you can quench the fiery darts of the enemy. But then it says, but take the sword of the spirit. It's talking about the word of God. 
And it says the word of God is what you stand on. So I'm going to say the platform is, is the place where you stand. So whenever you put the word of God in your heart, you're no longer, you're no longer just saved, but you get lifted to a place of protection. And now you stand on something that is more sure than anything in your life. You stand on the word of God. And the word of God is not only a place for your understanding, help me preach, but the word of God is a place for you to have an offensive weapon. And before you get there, the word also says that his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So the imagery that's given in scripture is you stand on the word of God. The word of God is the light so you can see the enemy coming before he gets to you. And you have a defensive weapon. You have the sword. So you're basically standing there when you're living for the Lord and you're saved. That's great. But you need to spend time in prayer that helps you see when the enemy's coming at you. You need to spend time working on the word of God, understanding the word of God so you have a greater understanding of the word of God. You have a greater base to stand on and you need to make sure that the word of God is in your life every day because that is your weapon so this is the posture this is what is what it looks like when a Christian is not only in the word but they're praying and they're standing not on their knowledge but on the understanding of God this is this is what it looks like it actually it actually looks like devil come at me go ahead come at me don't you come at my family because I've got what I need it's not my name that's great it's his name that's great amen it's not my understanding that I lean upon but it's his understanding it's not my word but it's his word that fights the battle so I walk into every battle knowing that I'm going to get the victory because his word wins every time and so the scripture tells us in Ephesians that whenever you build line upon line, domino upon domino, potential energy upon potential energy, he says, stand therefore, having girt about the waist of tr with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So he says, this is a different translation, but you can see it there, the body armor God, of God's righteousness. Go on to the next verse, stay with me quick. For, shoe, for shoes, but put on the peace that comes from God. Amen. Somebody say, put on the peace to your neighbor. Put on peace. It's like a garment. You put it on for protection, for the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these things, hold up the shield. Everybody say domino effect. He's stacking up the things that you're supposed to wear in order for you to be successful walking with God. He said, in addition to all these things, hold the shield of faith to the, hold, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And then he says, put on the salvation, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and and on, I can't read that from here with the lights in my face, every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all, for all believers everywhere. Notice that whenever you put on the armor, when you build up step by step, he says, stand with these things on and then pray for others. There is a procession. There's a process to this. He said, then pray for others and pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so that I can boldly explain God's mysterious, mysteries, or mysterious, sorry, I can't read it from here, plan, that the good news is for the Jews and Gentiles alike. In other words, he said, pray for me. He said, after you get done with all this, pray that I'm able to be bold in the gospel. 
He said, I put on all these things so that I can stand with a light and a sword. And until I do that, I will not be bold in the gospel. He said, the reason why sometimes you feel timid, well, of course, our world has a lot of pressures on us, but the reason why maybe you feel timid is because you not only need your foundation, you need your sword and you need your light. And you need to spend time building those things and stacking them up so that when something comes against you, you have a boldness about you in, the walk, in your walk with God. You have a boldness about you. Because this lamp, I want, his, I want this lamp to light my feet. I want the word of God to light my path the way that I should go. Amen? The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Amen? That means the steps of any person are ordered of the Lord and he delighteth in his way. He delighteth in his way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own under what? Understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He's talking about what you stand on. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Everybody say possessions. He's saying honor me with your possessions and with your first fruits and of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenties. In other words, they were an agricultural society, so you'll have plenty, and your vats shall overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor does his nor his correction for whom the Lord love he correct he corrects for whom he loves he corrects just as a father the son in whom he delights happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding notice the progression here he's saying whenever you put God first you start to find wisdom when you honor God with your possessions, when you trust in the Lord first, when you trust, that's the place to stand. When you trust in the Lord first, and then you acknowledge him and everything, then you begin to become happy in wisdom. Happiness is actually a process. It's a domino effect. Amen? And so we see that this is going on in Proverbs, and he says all, he, he's talking about the past. He said, let me get back to where I was at because I'm trying to find it real cool. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Everybody say understanding. understanding. He said get wisdom from God and get understanding. For her proceeds, he, he, he likens it to the female gender. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies. He's talking about wisdom when he says she. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her, cannot compare to wisdom. Length of days is in her right hand. How many want to live a long life? He said wisdom has the ability to give you a longer life. Length of days is in her right hand and in her, right, her left hand, riches and honor. Wisdom brings long life, riches, and honor to your life. Her ways are ways of plenteousness, or pleasantness, sorry. And all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain wisdom, her. Happiness is a building block of you living for God and pursuing the wisdoms of God. How many have ever had a moment where you thought God was speaking to you and he started to tell you who he was? He'll start with his identity every time. How many have ever been in a church service where the place just lit up when the preacher started preaching about who God is? You want to know why? Because your do goals, the goals that you want to do, the actions that you want to do have to be linked to identity. 
And when you link them to identity, you have the power to do them. So the reason why when a preacher gets up and he starts talking about that he's a way maker, he's a miracle worker, the promise keeper, we started worshiping him in that song today. And the reason why is because it speaks of his identity. I'm not faithful enough to walk with God every day and be perfect, but he's faithful enough to come and find me, amen? I'm not good enough to live everything I need to live, but he's good enough, God, to give me a blood that washes me in, in my sin and gives me my potential even though I don't always make it the way that I need to make it. I know that God's good to me even when I'm not good enough. Amen, somebody. So when we start talking about God's identity, that he's the lion and the lamb, that he's the high priest and the blood sacrifice, that he's both the alpha and omega, that he's both beginning and the end. I, I begin to worship the Lord and it begins to change the atmosphere. Why? Because I'm telling you the word of God and the word of God God is stronger than anything else you ever hear. And the word of God identifies who God is. It gives his identity. And when we begin to preach that there is hero Israel, there is one Lord and one God, and his name is Jesus. And he walks and he walks and he talks and he knows that, that I, my, my, he understands my ways. Amen. And I feel God light up the room, his spirit, identity begins to work in the place and the atmosphere changes because the Holy Ghost says, that is me. We don't, we don't praise him just because he's good to us. Our praise is initiated from our worship. Worship speaks in, to who God is. Praise often is because of what God does. And when God's doing nothing for you, if you've built up some building blocks of worship in your life, you'll be able to lift your hands in the worst times of your life and say, I, I, I don't know why that person went in the grave early. I don't know why my body's sick. I don't know why I'm going through this struggle. But I have built, I have built a prayer life, and I've built a love for you, God. I know who you are, even, why I, even when I don't know what's going on. I know who he is. And so you can lift your hands in praise, even when he's done nothing for you right now. But because of what he's done for you in the past, you can't help yourself. You, have, you can walk through the hardest moments of your life with a praise on your lips and with your hands raised and people will look at you and say why are they happy going through the sad moments of their life I'm grateful because I'm not praising him off of his performance every single time even when I don't understand it I don't want to understand it a God that I can understand is not a God that I want to worship but a God that when I know him when I know his character when I know what he's like and what he does when I know he loves me unconditionally I can lift my hands in the worst moments of my life and say I may not have much praise to give right now because everything feels like it's caving in but I'm going to show the spiritual world that I still worship you Lord I still worship. You ever been in your car driving down the road and a song comes on and you don't have the ability to take your hands off the steering wheel, but you know your spirit just lifted its hands and all of a sudden a, a, a tear ekes out the corner of your eye. I don't know if you are emotional like that, but I am. And I, and I just began to worship the Lord and I, and I just began to tell myself in those tears as they're coming down my cheek, let us not be weary in well-doing, but in, in 
due time. We're going to reap if we don't faint. We're going to reap if we don't give up. That word is for you today. In due season, you're going to see what God has for you if you just continue to worship him. Worship him. Would you stand with me together today? So identity shapes your actions. Identity shapes what you do. So if you get your domino in your hand, I don't know if you have it nearby you, but if you get it in your hand, I want to make a commitment today. I want to ask you, what do you want to become? Because we do a lot of asking people what they do. When you meet somebody, we have it all backwards. I met you for the first time today, some of you. And the most likely process of that conversation is, hey, how you doing? I'm Pastor Joe, or I'm Joe, or I'm Joe Don, whatever you know me as. They're like, hey, I'm Brian. We'll go with Brian. I'm Brian. And the next question almost invariably is, so what do you do? Instead of focusing on being, we often focus on doing. We get our identity from what we do. And I'm asking you today to make a commitment with this domino that you'll focus on being, not just doing. Because if you start asking yourself, who do I want to become? You will change. You'll build potential energy and start moving toward that person. Whether you see it or not, you start becoming. You know, they used to say dress like dress for success. Have you ever heard that? Act like the person you want to be. What is that? That's all becoming something before you become it. We're wired to build ourselves into what we want to be because we are made in the likeness and image of God and he's a creator. So you have the ability to create what you want to see. And that's why we must spend time in prayer and in the word so that we don't self-create something that is not our God-given purpose in life. And so I'm asking you today, what do you want to become? What has Jesus spoken to you about? Because you can be in a high-rise downtown of Milwaukee making $5 million a month and be miserable. Or you could be in a hut in a village in Padanawa and you could be the happiest man on planet Earth or woman if you're walking in the purpose and the plan of God for your life. It doesn't matter. It's all in how you build it. And so I'm asking you today, do you want rich friendships? Do you want to experience God at a level you've never experienced Him at this year? I also watch those videos, Rob. I taught Ron Her I, Ron Herring was my pastor, Josh Herring, who is now having a ministry that's blowing up all over the world. I taught him how to play drums <laughs> because he was in our church and he's like, can you teach me? And now he can help me. So while I was watching the video of the little boy that was somewhat of a nuisance to me as I was trying to teach him how to play drums, now I'm watching the video as he imparts to me a gift of fasting. what I helped to build has turned around and blessed me. So you don't know how big of impact you're having. 
people look at me and go, why do you drive into Milwaukee and pick up people, Pastor? You gotta be here, you gotta be doing things, you gotta be plugged in. And I'm like, no, I have to go pick up Skyler. I have to go pick up people in Milwaukee. I gotta bring them to church. Yes, that's kind of like vacuuming the church. Sooner or later, somebody's gonna have to run a bus into Milwaukee and bring, bring, bring people to church. But right now, I want to put somebody in a place where they can experience God. I want to put somebody in a place where they understand that it's the small things. It's putting gas in the tank and going, picking up somebody so they can get their son in church and they can build him into a man of God. It's the small things that turn around and bless you. What do you want to become? Last week, we had a snowstorm. We had half of our music team stranded in Monroe. And I just looked outside and the plow was going by and I'm like, we can have church. And the Lord just told me, no, I want you to be home. And a friend of ours showed up and God ministered through the friend to me that I've been ministering to for years. And I was sitting in my living room going, thank you, God, because what I helped build is now building me. I want you to make a commitment to build something that doesn't look like much. But God will turn around and bless you with it. You're building whatever you're building. Whatever God wants to use you in. I'm asking you to make a commitment today. Would you bow your head with me? Lord God, I'm asking for consistency. I'm asking for a spirit of dedication to come over this room. I'm asking for a spirit of consecration. I know these people are busy people. I know they have very little time and moments where they cannot break away. But Lord, if you were willing to break away, if Jesus, you were busy enough to save the world, but yet you're busy pushed aside for prayer. I'm asking somebody in this room to change the life of somebody else by building it, by making themselves available as well to all you want to do in their life. And so I'm asking today that you give somebody the ability to earn more so that they can bless you, God. I'm asking to give somebody the strength and mental capacity to reach more heights, but Lord, I'm asking you to build them from the bottom up. Lord God, from the low places, strengthen them, help them to have greater understanding, help them to put the sword of the word in their hand and help them to live in the light of God. I pray it in Jesus' name. I pray it over every soul here. In the name of Jesus, I